I do not run like someone running aimlessly. And I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Verse 27. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast all about how you see and perceive the world through a biblical worldview. We're not here to teach you um, what to think, but how to think. How to think. We're going to awaken some thoughts that you maybe haven't had before and allow you to process those things and see them the way that Jesus wants you to see them. And then from there, you have to make a decision about whether you want to believe what Jesus says about you or you want to believe what the world says about you. Mm. And we can't do that without our very own Salty Pastor, the original, the only, the one, Dr. <laughs> Douglas Peak. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. I heard my son did a few, and I heard him say that he was the younger. Are you saying you didn't listen to him? You just I, heard that he did a few? Well, no, no, I listened to it. He said he was the younger, more handsome version of me. I don't know if he said that or I said oh, that. It was one of us. You guys, man, you're salty. <laughs> when the uh, when the captain's away, the, <laughs> the crew will play. So we... The, uh, Yes, you guys are down there in the bowels of the ship, banging on the pipes. <laughs> banging or on the pipes, <laughs> starting fires or something. So. Yes, but it's good to be here, and I love this series we're in right now. It is get up and go. I think I love the most that it's practical things. Super it's kind practical. Of go- it's very back to basics almost, or mm-hmm. basics that you don't necessarily think about as much. Yeah. You know, Pastor Harv talked about you know uh, decision making and conflict management and intimacy and yeah and zach was talking about you know getting out and and being generous or yeah you know um these are things you can do yeah and, and during and his go. sermon he was talking about fasting things like that it's just gonna be these are all things that we kind of assume everybody knows but it's always good to kind of go back and there's some newer christians that maybe haven't heard these thoughts or mm-hmm. or haven't seen mm-hmm. it through a biblical perspective before so yeah christianity is extremely existential and meaning that it's not just a call to think or believe the right things, but it's a call to action to do the right things. You know, and, and James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote, he was the lead elder or the pastor of the church in Jerusalem for a very long time. And he wrote in his letter to the churches, the book of James, which is right before Hebrews. And he said there that you can say you have faith, but if there is no work, if there's no outward action connected to what you believe, then what you believe is dead. It's just an intellectual exercise. So this has been a core principle, uh, uh, orthodox doctrine of Christianity from day one. And that is, is that we don't only believe in Jesus, but we do what he says. Well, and I I like the idea of it's not just a passive thing where you go, oh, I'm thinking good thoughts and I'm just going to sit here in my house and that's the way (laughs) to heaven is. I just turn into an introvert and hide in my house, then we're all good to go. But no, Jesus calls us to take action, get out there and go, right? Yes, yes. So we've we've had kind of all the other guys, Pastor Harv, um, Zach, they've been kind of started this whole series off, Correct. they hit all these different topics. What are you bringing to the table this week, Pastor Doug? Well, my uh, admonition for everybody is run to win. Go and run and run to win. 
So they they were the warm up sprint. Now you're like just go. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, Harv is excellent at that stuff that he was talking about. I mean, he's just really good at it. So he's a master. So listening to his teaching is wonderful. Zach, of course, is just really uh, burgeoning into his own uh, uh, conceptualization. You know, he's a, a scholar that he really reads deeply, studies all this stuff. And so what's fun is watching him figure out how to articulate mm. what, what the Lord is speaking to him and those thoughts, which are based on a really in-depth study of scripture. He's very, very well read. He reads a lot of uh, really great writers and philosophers and stuff like that. So, well, and what I was, what I meant more by that is like, those are building blocks. Those are kind yes. of your stretches. And now yeah. you're saying once you've got your stretches done, you've prepared. Yeah. Now you can run full out, right? Yes, like, absolutely. You got not, not that they were the warm act, warm up act <laughs> for you, but more of that they're building their fundamentals are the things that allow yeah. you now to run. Yeah, and in in essence, it's not good to warm up. It's not good to do the fundamentals if you're not going to go and play in the game. If you're not right. going to run the race. And when you do run, you know, you want to run to win. Mm. You want to get in the game. You want to do it. And this is one of the teachings uh, to Paul's letter to the First Corinthians. And I thought he did an excellent job talking about how last week, how the Corinthians, you know, got two letters. And it's really interesting is that, you know, he, he kind of uh, scratched at the surface of it. But if you go back in the book of Acts and you read chapter 18 in the book of Acts, you see how uh, Paul started the church in Corinth and what the Holy Spirit told him to do. And while he was in Corinth, there was a lot of really incredible things that happened there. And then you go back and you study the early history of the city of Corinth and what it was like culturally at that time. Mm. And what's really interesting is that the city of Corinth is on the Isthmus. The Isthmus. <laughs> in That's Greece. not Christmas, but no, it's the it's Isthmus. isthmus. <laughs> it's really hard to say. But basically, you could do one of two things, and that is if you were transporting goods, you could take uh, and sail all the way down south into the Aegean Sea, all around the uh, islands and all the places there south of, of uh, Greece, and then back up and then into the eastern edge of Italy, which just kind of comes down as a boot. So in their ships, there are two big problems with doing that. Number one is in their ships, it added anywhere from three to six weeks to the journey because it's dependent upon winds. Now, the second thing, though, is that when you get into that area, that region of the ocean, the Mediterranean, it's really rocky. There's all these hazards that you have to be aware of. So you would have to have somebody who is extremely knowledgeable. You couldn't look it up or get a GPS. You had to have somebody who really knew the Google waters. Google wasn't around back Google then. Google wasn't around Man. then. So uh, the other option is you could offload all of your stuff at Corinth there, which is on the eastern edge of this isthmus. And then what you could do is they would transport it by wagon and oxen approximately. It's not very far. I mean, it's less than like 10 miles. I think it's only two miles. It's pretty narrow there. Yeah, extremely narrow. It's like two miles, three miles, and then put it on another ship. And then they'd take it up and that would, and then they would sail directly across uh, to the eastern coast of modern day Italy. I mean, it was basically 
they didn't have the technology back then, but it's similar to the like the Panama Canal now, yeah. which allows you to basically bypass having to go all yeah. the way around the continent yeah. to get to. And if you're a sailor, one of the things that's really interesting today, you can go and Google it and see these pictures, but they have actually cut a canal there. And it's like now two miles there on, is one. Now there okay. is one. And if you ever see it's really it's super narrow, but it's super deep. And so what's amazing is they will have these barges or they'll have cruise ships that will go through it. And there's only like four feet of clearance on each side. Mm. It's really quite remarkable. But so so here was this city Corinth that was an international transport city. It had dramatic influence over the economy. And so it was very diverse. And that's what's really important is very diverse. And, and so in essence, it was a microcosm of what we have today in America. It was a very diverse culture. It was, a, it was uh, uh, one of the things that they had because there was so much high transportation through the city of Corinth is that there was a large uh, sex trade happening there, very similar to Vegas. Okay. And uh, part of that is because previously... In about 148 uh, BC, it was where the temple to Dionysus and the fertility cult was. And then it came in and it kind of died out. The city died because it was conquered. And then what happened is it was kind of resurrected. But instead of resurrecting the temple and the temple prostitute trade, it moved down into the city. And so this is why the whole instruction in Corinth, that first letter that Paul wrote about cutting your hair and what you should do. And the reason why is because in their culture at that time, androgyny was the thing. And so males and females, particularly in the uh, Diana fertility cults, which were really big and very popular, right? They what they would do is they would shave their heads mm. so that you, you kind of wouldn't know. Right. So... Um, anyway, there, that was a huge practice. And so then all of these people that were involved in it became followers of Christ. And now they're in a church together. And so you've got people that have grown up devoutly religious as Jews. You have businessmen, you have wealthy and you have poor, you have people coming out of these fertility. I mean, it was just an extremely eclectic, diverse thing. And so one of the reasons why there were two letters, I thought Zach pointed out as funny is that they weren't doing so well, so they right. needed to. But now you know why is because they were trying to bring together, right, into one body focused on Christ, all these people from really radically diverse backgrounds and experiences. Mm. So you're, 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 uh, the, the verse you wanted to kind of talk about today is from the first letter. So this yes. is his first attempt to kind of be like, hey, here's what I think you should work on and here's where, yes. what you're doing well, things like that. So what are we, what verse are we looking at? Well, we're going to be reading out of the ninth chapter in verses 24 through 27. But before I read those, I think it's really important is that Paul in the first verse of chapter nine asserts that he's an apostle. He asserts that he has the authority to speak in the way that he does. He has the authority to speak to the church in the way that he does. And then he says that I have complete freedom. He says, I have complete freedom. He goes, though I belong to no one in verse 19, though I am free, I have chosen to make myself a servant to everyone else. So he was countering these criticisms against him that the, what he was doing and so forth uh, uh, illustrated that he didn't have apostolic authority. And of course, he rejects all of that. And everybody else, of course, agreed with him on that. 
But what he does say is this, he goes, look, my goal in life, and, and Zach picked up on this, you know, he says the power of serving other people just brings so much focus and healing. Mm. And what happened here in verse 24, he says the following, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? So, so in this race, there's no option. Everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize. So he then says, run in such a way as to get the prize. So he says, go and run and then run to win. Everyone who completes or competes, excuse me, in the games goes into strict training. So how do you run to win? You have to train yourself to be a winner. Now, these people do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it. We'll do what? What does he say? We do what? to get a crown that will last forever. Well, we run to win and we strictly train ourselves to be winners. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. So part of strict training that you should do in your spiritual life and every other area of your life is that you should not run aimlessly. Mm. You know what the goal is, now run towards that goal. And so if your faith is, if you're discouraged in your faith, if you're really overwhelmed and burned out, if you are discouraged at the track that your life is on right now, or maybe like one of the Corinthians, you've come from such a, an incredibly diverse or different situation. You know, just think about this. You had in the church, you had someone who uh, grew up a devoted Jewish disciple, right? Right. Because it says in Acts chapter 18 that the head of the synagogue in Corinth became a believer in all of his family. So his kids have grown up. And the one thing you could say about these Jewish kids is that they always made the right decisions. They are extremely moral people, right? Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And so they're sitting in church with a gal who has two inches of stubble on her head because she just left prostitution and has come into the church, right? And so she's trying to figure out. So you have her background and what she's experienced. She's not Jewish. She's not ethnically a Jew or culturally a Jew. She's not uh, culturally a Christian yet. She, she doesn't have any understanding of all she knows is God loves me and I'm saved. <laughs> That's all she knows, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, so the world in which she lives is telling her all of these things about different sexual practices, different, all kinds of ways of thinking. And what, what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a man? I mean, you have all these different ideas and this, she came out of this background and you have this Jewish child that's come out of this background. You couldn't ask for more culturally divergent experiences, right? right? So how in the world do you bring those things together? How do you get those two people to not only tolerate each other, but love each other and play on the same team cohesively. Well, you don't do it by elevating one's experience over the other. You don't do it by criticizing one experience over the other. What you do is Paul says, this is you don't run aimlessly. Instead of looking at us and where we came from, we look at what Christ has done and where he's calling us to. So now we're both running towards that specific goal. So now everything that could be 
divisive, you know, like between you and me or him and her, now is eliminated because there's a specific goal. You see, right. wow, we're running towards this goal, and that goal obviously is about spiritual wholeness. It's about love. It's about uh, uh, becoming our true, authentic self in Christ, not what we think it is, but who Christ says it is in us. And then notice what he says in verse um, latter half. He says, therefore, I do not, verse 26, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, and I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Verse 27, no, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. So he's saying, I train myself and I strike a blow to my body, you know? And I, I think that this is something that's really difficult for so many people in our society today to understand and why so many people are really struggling with lostness. And that is um, because we've talked about these issues about postmodernism, we've talked about atheism, we've talked about the influence of deconstructionism. And what these things do is it disempowers you to think clearly. Right. So it, it takes away your capacity to think clearly and make good decisions. So you are tossed, as Paul says to the Ephesians chapter 4, you are tossed here and there by every wind of teaching. Oh, this sounds good. Maybe this will be the thing that will help me. And so we're, we're, we're tossed back and forth. And so, and it's really important because it's so fascinating is that if you want to go, if you want to get in shape, Jesse, what do you have to do? Work out. Yes. Well, and eat well. And eat well. So, okay. So those are two different things. And Paul would construe those as being blows to your body. Right. Right. So now you talked about this with Zach a little bit. What is helps you be successful at working out at the gym and what undermines your success at working out at the gym? Having someone to hold you accountable. Now, why is that? Well, I mean, part of it's guilt because, you know, when I was doing my really early morning workouts, if I chose to not show up, yeah. usually by the time I was saying, hey, I'm not coming, they were already there or <laughs> vice versa. Yeah. So then it's like it's partially a guilt thing of like, well, I came here to be your workout accountability person and right. you're not showing up, but also because then it also puts it in the forefront of your mind mm -hmm. consistently because you have someone else to say, hey, are we working out tomorrow? You're, it's usually like a you're coordinating schedules and you're like, hey, when do you want to get together tomorrow to get together and work out? Yeah. And so it's keeping it at the forefront of your your thought process and keeping you accountable. Okay, so so what happens is, you see, I, would, I wouldn't construe that as guilt. I would construe that as conviction. Mm. You see, it's like I made a commitment. Now I can break my commitment to myself. Right. But I can't break my commitment to my friend who I said I would be there to encourage them. Absolutely. So there's there's real power in that. So that's a but but what is it that's convincing you to break your commitment to yourself or what convinces you or you know, is it's your body. So what do you have to do to your body? You have to deliver a what? A, a blow. blow. Right. Otherwise, your body will do what? Get into a terrible state. See, <laughs> a cycle of... See, now let's invert that. You said eat well. 
Okay. Now, one of the things I've noticed that you guys do in the office, since we have kind of, what do you call that? A hub or a... We've got like the countertop. It's, it's yeah. like an old, it's like the the office is open, you know? Like an so open concept. It's an open office, concept. Yeah. Everybody interacts with something. And then somebody will say, um, I'm hungry, right? Right. And then someone will say, well, hey, I'm going to go get, from, you know, tacos or something. What do you want? And then what do you tend to order then? Tacos. tacos. Right? Or I'm going to go get burritos from what is that one burrito place you guys go uh, to los betos los betos yeah you know or we're gonna get this or we're gonna do that well here's what's really interesting is that if you're trying to control what you're eating is that helpful or does that undermine your diet uh it depends on who's offering that day because usually if it's like emma or dana they're they've been really good about their diet lately so they're like hey we're doing blank healthy things yeah, so then i yeah. tend to eat healthier yeah but then when it's like one of the one of the high schoolers or college kids that works underneath me and they're like we're going to taco bell <laughs> <laughs> do you want anything and i have to go no yes <laughs> i want that chalupa i do want that chalupa <laughs> well and what i love i mean it's that that accountability but i also love that and this is you know i'm gonna try my hand at being salty Paul here is not saying, hey, I want you to run for the participation award. That's right. He's saying there is a winner. Yeah. And you should be winning. Yes. And so, and he says, don't run aimlessly. And when I heard that, what I what I took out of it is when I go, when I practice dance, yeah, which I don't get to do as much, but when I was really in my prime of dancing, but or like I've picked up one wheeling lately. When I ride or when I go to practice dance, I pick something that I'm going to work on. I don't just go into the studio to dance mm -hmm. and just kind of like throw some moves out on the floor. I go, hey, you know, my hip action here needs some work. So I will sit and practice for 45 minutes, the same repetitive motion over and yeah. over and over. And I think these building blocks that, that, that Harv and Zach have been setting up for us are things that we can go and say, I need to spend the next 30 days focusing on this thing exactly just like you would at the gym just like you wouldn't dance just like when i go riding on my one wheel i go okay i need to work on my balance here i need to try this thing and make it intentional rather than just i'm gonna just go out and right. float around in the studio or because that's aimless yeah and it's i think our faith gets that way a lot too where we're like i'm saved I don't really know what to do past this point. So I'm going to mm -hmm. just kind of float around here. I might go volunteer once in a while at a food bank or, you know, I might right. help greet once. So, you know, every couple months, but like you have no desire to improve and there. And if you don't do that, what does he say? He says, I, he says, I do this because after I am helping others, preaching to others, I myself will not be what? Disqualified from the race. Yeah. See that that's a word that's, that's Paul brings up a lot. And some, there's a big chunk of systematic theologians in America today and an Americanized version of Christianity that comes, I won't go into the in-depth of it, but what it does is it basically tries to say is that, well, once you're in, you can't be disqualified for anything. And I, I feel Paul is saying the exact opposite. idea, right? Like yeah. I just get it because then I, yeah. I cover and, my bases. And so I think the thing is, is that I don't find that as something that undermines a person's uh, assurance of their salvation by realizing that there's a disqualification, you know, um, what we have to, in every area of our life, we live this way. Like if you want to lose weight, you know how to deal a blow to your body. In other words, get your body to do what you want it to do. Right. 
And that is, well, I won't get up at 5 a.m. by myself, but if I have two buddies that are down there doing it, I know I will. Right. Okay. Oh, that's called intelligently hacking your body's motivation, right? right? And get going. So you're doing that. And then it says, I want to run, not aimlessly, so I pick a goal and I work towards that goal. And then he says, I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. He goes, I do all this for a purpose. And here's one of the reasons why faith becomes so anemic in so many followers of Christ. And then when they need it, when life is really hard or really difficult, they can't, you know, they can't do the move they need to do because they've never practiced it. They've never done it. Like for instance, Harv said, make a decision. Okay. Well, the best thing to do is practice making decisions, practice making decisions and then following through on them. Uh, Harv said, resolve conflicts, find a conflict and go resolve it. If you're married, the best time to sharpen your skills to resolve conflict is when you don't have a conflict. Right. And then you can kind of learn your patterns, right? It's similar to, you have to get to a point where you're not thinking about it. It has to be passive. It's the same thing when I was learning to ride my one wheel, a lot of people that I was watching videos on and like, you need to practice falling without being in the situation where you're actually falling. Like you yeah. need to practice jumping off the board. You need to practice doing these things because your body needs to be so ingrained with how to roll out of it or, yeah. or protect yourself that you're not thinking about how to do it when it actually happens and you're yeah. not expecting it. Yeah. Or the same thing with dance. Like I had to train my body to do certain things so that I wasn't constantly thinking about those when I should be thinking about, okay, where's my next position or how do I, how do I get into this next thing? And you, you got to develop those things so that they're mm -hmm. so unconscious that you're doing them without thinking about it so that when you do need them, it's not a, okay, hold on, stop, wait, 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 pump the brakes. And you don't have time to pump the brakes in a real conflict. Correct. Because usually your, your things are you're starting so to escalate. You're so jacked up. Yeah. You're so you jacked up. It needs to be a natural response rather than, a, yeah. oh, hold on, can we just stop for a second? I need to go reread my book about how to resolve this before we go any further. Like there's not, yeah. that's not going to happen. And that's what, that's what learning to fly a plane is all about. It's all about uh, for every situation, you're supposed to do this, you know? The thing is, is that the first thing they teach you is that when something bad happens, you get, you'll freeze, right? You know? And so you gotta, you gotta know the steps so that your brain will work. And here's the bottom line is that if you want to know Jesus, it will never happen if you never run to win. Mm. If you want to know Jesus, if you want to walk in the fullness of your inheritance, if you want to experience every spiritual blessing, if you want to see him do things in your life that are exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything that you could ever imagine, if you want that to happen in your life, you want every spiritual blessing of the heavens to come into your life, if you want to heal the bad habits that stop you from true and authentic love with other people, if you want to know real direction and real purpose, if you want to discover how to climb to the Mount Everest of spirituality so that your life is filled with purpose, you're not pouring it into something that you've deceived yourself to think, but it's, it's going to help you. It's an actual thing that really resonates with your soul in ways that you never imagined. If you want to experience experience all that. It's never going to happen. If you sit on the sidelines, you refuse to run and you refuse to run to win. So get up and go, get up and 
Run the race to win. It doesn't mean that you have to win it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be any of these things, but deep in your soul, you have to long for something more. Take responsibility for your faith. That responsibility is the greatest adventure that you will ever live in your life at its core. Mm. Responsibility is the key of shifting from a passive approach to life, a I'm a victim of life, I have no control over life, life is horrible and sad and depressing. Yeah, it can be all those things. But each and every day, there are thousands, no millions of people who stand up, they jump in the race, they run to win, and Maybe they don't, you know, come in first place or whatever. That doesn't matter. But they got up and they looked back and they said, man, that is such it's a great effort thing. you're putting forth. It's effort because, boy, the training and the expansion, you learn things about yourself you never knew. You stretch yourself in ways you never imagined. You begin to discover that I can influence the outcome I'm not a victim of this circumstance because I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter where you go. We live in a world that is filled with evil. It will always be filled with evil. There will always be suffering. There will always be poverty, as Jesus said. There will always be people who do evil things and victimize others. There will always be crime. There will always be murder. There will always be rape. There will always be theft. There will always be assault. There will always be racism. There will always be all of these things in the world because Satan is the ruler of this world. And he's a propagator. Right of all this evil. So what we could do is we could sit down and argue constantly over who's being evil to other people or what we can do is say, I'm not, I don't have to be a victim. Even when bad things happen to me, I can get up and run the race. And what I find in that is I find strength. I find courage. I find hope. I find the power to embrace and live in the fullness of every good thing that Christ has for me. So I want to live in that. I may never be the blue ribbon first place person. But what I can tell you is this, is that Jesus is my victory. And because he's the victory, what he's doing in me is so much more important than what he's doing in the circumstance in which I find myself. Well, and the Olympics just started this last weekend. I don't think you will ever hear an Olympic athlete, even if they don't win the gold medal, say, I regret Training, <laughs> training and yeah. pursuing this and trying yeah. to win. Like yeah. you'll never hear them. Will they be upset that they lost? Of course. I mean, especially yeah. at that level where it's like you're at that stage. Yes. But I don't think you'll ever hear any of them go, man, I just kind of wish I hadn't done this whole thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I that wish. ever happened. And our faith and our relationship with Jesus is the exact same way. Exactly. You will get exactly. to the end and you will, you, were you perfect? Could you have done better? Yes. But I don't think you will ever look back and go, Man, I wish I would have just not yeah. done that whole thing. Nobody, nobody says, "Oh, that's a story I'm never going to tell." Right? They, they, what do they do for the rest of their life? Yeah, I went to the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo. They're, they're calling it 2020. Are they? They just <laughs> delayed, they delayed yeah, it yeah, a year because yeah. of COVID. Yeah, I'm at the 2020 Olympics in 2021. <laughs> I got there. Oh, right. What was that like? Blah, blah, blah. Did right. you win? No, but man, it was the greatest experience. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think that that's what's, that's what's true is see, Jesus is inviting you into an experience, see, of living with him. Right. And what he's doing is he's out there. He's at the gym every day waiting for you. Will you show up? Absolutely. Well, Pastor Doug, we are so excited you are back. You're preaching this Sunday, which we can't wait to have you back on stage. 
Um, I do actually, I wanted to read this comment. I, we've been, some of you have been leaving comments on our YouTube or on the Apple podcast reviews, which we love, but I want to read this one out. This was from, um, nonsense. It was the last one we had the last time you were on stage and it was, uh, this is the most profound series I've ever heard. And I mm. would think it would be the same for anyone else that heard it. And that was from James Feehan, oh, um, yeah. on our YouTube. So, Hey you guys, James, how you doing, man? So if you guys have comments um, or reviews or things you want to talk about or things that you like on the podcast, please leave those on YouTube or on Apple uh, Podcasts because we love being five able stars. To, yeah, we love being able to read these and really see what you guys are getting out of this because there's no point in us having it doing this podcast if you guys aren't getting something out of it. So yeah. um, we guys we really appreciate you guys. Um, Thursday this week is our last in the, the little mini series of mm -hmm. what in the Sam Hill and it's on atheism. So yes. make sure you tune into that. It's a shorter one, but it is definitely kind of compiles in all the thoughts of things that you kind of need to know before you come into the podcast about atheism. And it's just a good refresher. Even if you've been listening for all hundred and nine episodes, wow, at this point. episodes. um, it's what a great to, team. Thank you, Jesse, for all your hard work hey, and keeping this going. We love having you here, Pastor Doug, and being able to pick your brain on a weekly basis. So <laughs> we a... just appreciate you so much. So Thank you very much. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you Thursday at the on the special, yeah. and then obviously Sunday with Pastor Peak back on stage. I'd love to be here. Have a good one. All right. Blessings. Blessings.